Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. You know, I said this in the early service, but because we have God on the inside, we have Jesus on the inside, you know, Christians are beautiful on the inside and they're beautiful on the outside. Can you say that I'm beautiful on the inside and I'm beautiful on the outside? You know, when I was a young guy, I, I wasn't a Christian, you know, and uh, I went out with some ladies that, you know, the, what they had on the outside attracted me, but after a few times out, what they had on the inside, I thought, you know, they're not good looking at all, because when something is really bad on the inside, it even affects the outside, but when something is good on the inside, it affects the outside. We're beautiful in Christ, aren't we? We're all beautiful, so you look beautiful today. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you bless the word today, Lord. I approach you, and I, and I thank you, Lord, for helping me to minister your word. I trust you, Lord. You receive all the glory and all the praise, Father, for everything that would come through me. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. I was um, remembering a few weeks ago a time that our daughter Liliana, we moved to Sicily, and we were just new there. And it was a different language, although I'm Italian, you know, uh, my parents did not require us to learn Italian as we grew up. And so all I really heard is my father's cuss words. Um, so I could do some cussing, actually with the Calabrian dialect, it wasn't even proper Italian cussing, it was the Calabrian dialect cussing. And that's about all I knew in Italian. And so we moved there, we couldn't really speak the language, and then we're living down in Sicily in a gated community, it was like a it was like townhouses that were just vacation. That's the only place we could find. Every, everywhere was full. And so Lily, our daughter, our oldest daughter, uh, came down with a really high fever. We didn't know the medical system. We didn't really know how to speak. You know, we're just getting uh, used to the, everything going on. And so I'm going to tell you more about that later. But I just want to tell you the short story on it that uh, went to the Lord. She was healed after it was on her third day of the fever uh, because we didn't realize, we thought we were, you know, kind of rookie parents in a sense. We thought maybe she had a teeth, tooth coming out and we thought that's what caused the fever. So the first couple days we didn't really attack it like we should have, but it wasn't, she had no teeth coming out. So long story short, she was healed and uh, I learned from that event and that's really what I want to start talking about and so that experience, uh, it was like a training ground. I, I call it a training ground or a trading place. And I'm going to say more about it later. But uh, as we get into what we're going to talk about today, training grounds or places present themselves on a daily basis. You know? But although when they present themselves, it's really easy not to recognize them as being a possible training event or ground or place. Instead, we see them as a problem, a challenge, sickness, uh, a delay. Like, say, say you're, you're believing God for something and you want it to happen tomorrow, and it's not happening. But there are some things that have actually divine delays on them. And so every one of these things can be training events or grounds for us. So that's what we want to talk about. So as we uh, live our lives, to actually live them with a different way of thinking that 
each day and each hour, each minute can be like something we can train and learn and help us even more in our Christian walk. So I'm going to read a portion of scripture, lots of verses, and uh, I'm going to resist the temptation to make any comments till I read all of these verses. So enjoy it because it's some good reading. Scriptures are good reading. Amen. So 1 Samuel 17, 12, we'll start there. Now David was the son of the Epiphorite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons in the days of Saul. The man was already old in advance in years. The three eldest, oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went were starting with Eliab and finishing with Shammah. And then verse 14, David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse, skipping to verse, uh, going to 17, and Jesse said to David his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them to the camp to your brothers. Verse 26, and David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 28, now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him, because fell because of him your servant will go and fight with this philistine and saul said to david you are not able to go against this philistine to fight with him you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth but david said to saul your servant used to keep sheep for his father and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock i went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth and he arose against me and if he arose against me I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God and David said the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And then verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Verse 45. 
Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, of the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Verse 48. When the Philistines arose and came and drew near to, to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. <laughs> the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Of course, he cut his head off also. And then verse 52, And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shariah as far as Gath and Ekron. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Good Bible reading. Isn't the Bible awesome? Isn't God's word wonderful? So here, here's what we want to say, that everyday places can be everyday training grounds. Some of the most common places can be training grounds. So we want to look into this. So we're going to talk today about training grounds, okay? So what can we learn from 1 Samuel 17? So what happened is, as I was meditating on these verses, the Lord just gave me sentences. So I'm just going to go through these sentences that the Lord gave me uh, about the scriptures that we read. So here's the first thing that I came to me, that profession, age, job title, family rank, and experience does not matter for battles fought. And you see that because David was the youngest and his oldest brothers were in the great army of Saul. But David, the young shepherd, comes and he had no position or title or rank, but he's the one that defeats the giant. I want to encourage everyone here, from the youngest to the oldest, that if you follow the Lord Jesus and you spend time with God and in his word, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter where you come from, your social standing, it doesn't matter what kind of work you do, None of it matters. It doesn't matter because if you have God, you can defeat giants in your life. Okay? The next thing that came to me is David's secret was his relationship with God, his lifestyle of worship and love for the sheep. So this is his secret, his relationship with God. He had a life. You just read the Psalms and you see it. He had a lifestyle of worship. He always went to God. But then he also accepted the responsibility for the sheep he loved the sheep and because he was a responsible person these are some of the important things and some of his secrets okay so it's important for us to know that uh, that relationship with god having a lifestyle of worship and i want to encourage you because when we talk about things like that if we say well read your bible pray unfortunately some people uh, slip into legalism and they set schedules up that they can't keep. And so then if they don't read as many chapters if they want to read, if they don't pray as long as they want to read and all of that, then they fall into, like they beat themselves up maybe and feel bad about it. And it's really not really, <laughs> what good does that do? So instead of setting up rigid things, let's like really enjoy Jesus Christ is our Lord. The living God lives on the inside of us. We're born again. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. And you know, I love him so much that I want to read his word. 
And you know, if you just, there, you can read one verse and it can light you on fire. But I, you know, but so, so don't get, don't become legalistic, but have a relationship. So a relationship with him and worship him, not because we have to, but because we love him and we want to worship him. And accept our responsibility. And, and love is so powerful. We, we know any of us that are parents, we know that we would die for our children. That's love. And this is the, David, you know, went after a, a lion and a bear because he loved the sheep, okay? The next thing is David's experience winning battles behind the scenes opened the door for him on a public stage. You know, a lot of times we, we don't realize that what we do on a daily basis, you know, when we go through life and we take each day, and face each challenge and and let god be involved in it so david was just out in the wilderness but he took his responsibility serious and what happened in private eventually moved out to a public stage now we can't promise that everyone that decides to do god's word is going to be in a stadium full of people speaking that's not what we're talking about but if we get it right with ourselves, we're eventually going to help more people and do what God has ordained the church to do on every square inch of the planet. Amen? Okay, here's, here's another thing. And I know when I said square inch of the planet, I know that, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be on the ocean or in Antarctica preaching to the seals over there, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, all right, so then uh, David overcame fear behind the scenes and brought fearlessness to the public stage. And so anything that we overcome personally, that can come out in a place where we help more people. David helped all those fearful. Saul was in fear, the king, all the soldiers. David overcame fear in a, in a private place, but he helped many in a public place to overcome fear. David took, and by the way, George, I see your shirt there. It says, no fear. I like that. Um, David took the giant's insults as being against the armies of God, not people. The devil's attacks on us are attacks on God. You know, you, you know because Christ is in us and we belong to him. You know, when, when anybody you read in the Bible, if they went after God's people, God took that as they were going after him. We really need to take ownership of who's on the inside of us. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you belong to God. And God cares about you. And when the devil attacks you, God wants to help you. Because you're God's property. Amen? Here's another thing. David's older brother learned a valuable lesson that age and profession make no difference when God is on your side. They probably had to humble themselves when their little brother came and took care of the giant. But you know, we all need to come stay humble and we all need to respect Christ in every single person. We, I respect the Christ in you. I'm, I'm standing here and teaching behind the pulpit. As soon as I walk off the stage, I'm a Christian with Christ in me. We're all Christians with Christ in us, but we respect the Christ in one another. We all can do the impossible glory to God praise God here's another thing David rejected Saul's armor 
because David had his own proven weapons. And you know, what you have happen when you go into your prayer room, which could be a closet, could be a swimming pool for some people, it could be the shower, you know, use a lot of water though if, you, if you're a long prayer. But you're, you know, some people lay on their beds. Was it Fred Price who liked to pray in bed? I, I remember that story he told a long time ago. I, I don't know if it was him that liked to pray in bed and keep the covers on. But anyway, wherever your prayer closet is, it doesn't matter. It's your heart that matters. You know, so, so David learned out in the wilderness how to do battle and fight giants. Then Saul tries to say, here's my armor and here's my sword and all that. And David said, I haven't tested this. It says, he said, I tr he tried in vain. In other words, when you try to be a puppet and copy someone else, it doesn't have power. But when you choose to have a relationship with God and worship God and get with God and do God's word, that's your experience. And you have a way to pray and you have a way to do the word and it's much more powerful so we don't have to be puppets and copy you know i know we do confessions here and i think even though we do a confession and i say say this after me you know it's it's good but it's even better for all of us in our private times to say confessions privately amen and then um david rehearsed his training ground experience to others proving we learn much from doing life. So who would have thought a guy out in the wilderness, as his brother said, and belittled him, taking care of a few sheep, would come out and defeat a giant, okay? But he took his responsibility with those sheep seriously, and because he gained valuable experience in that training ground, defeating a lion and a bear, he rehearsed that. And, you know, and I think we should all be able to rehearse things that we do in our prayer, uh, you know, like as we're led, because, you know, no one really wants to hear anyone brag about how much they pray. I don't think that's God to talk about how much we pray and everything we pray about. But there's certain times that God would lead us, and we may want to rehearse something where we had a victory and we defeated something because it can help someone else. And that's what David did. David was full of confidence as a result of defeating the lion and the bear. See, what happens even with us privately in our prayer closets can fill us with confidence even in a public way. So these are all things that we see. Here's, here's another one. David saved one sheep in a private setting but ended up saving many people in a public setting. When we become skillful privately, we'll end up being skillful even publicly. And David saved Israel because of what happened in the wilderness because he took his responsibility seriously. He had a relationship with God. He fellowship with God. He was a worshiper. He, he ran toward a lion. He ran toward a bear. I'm sure he was fearful. I mean, whoa. Like, would you run toward a lion? And then a bear? But he did. So, um... So this is like whatever we face, if we run toward it, it can have great consequences, okay? Here's another one. David's victory over Goliath also inspired and activated many others 
and he sparked a move of God. So just even one person, like, like we're, you know, let's not talk about like a forum where you're on a stage with people, but let's talk about in a home. When somebody in their home decides to face a giant sickness, financial situation, and decides to apply God's word, it, it affects the household. And as the spirit leads, because you know, you, if you work with somebody every day, you don't want to lose them. So you, you don't want to be led by the spirit on how you witness at work. But there can be a, a time at work where it's just right and God leads you and you can, you can spark a move of God right in an office place, uh, being led by the spirit and, and doing that. So d these are just thoughts, you, you know, the potential we have. So we could say just the, the bottom line and what we're saying here is this, uh, it's really simple, and uh, life presents many training opportunities. It's in these training grounds that we become skillful with God's Word. So I want to just talk about this. How do training grounds materialize? How would they materialize? So I'm going to just tell you a few how they materialize in my life. So I mentioned Liliana, and I will say a little bit more about it, but with Liliana, sickness just came. There's a training ground. Now, if you thought at the time I would have looked at it as a training ground, now when I look back, I see that was a training ground. But at the time, it, I didn't see it that way. And then another, like, just, this is so broad. So another training ground, a, a supervisor years ago put me in a position I didn't like. And, I, and you, you know, some of you may have heard the story, just keeping it short, but I put my resignation in after a week because I was offended. But the Lord said, no, and I withdrew my resignation. And that was a training ground to learn how to humble myself at the workplace. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That, that was a training ground. Another one is a sweet older lady belittled the work that I was doing. So I left Bible school after two years of hearing the word. I went back to my hometown. My brother planted a church, and the Lord told me to clean the toilets in his church. And I was, I tell you, I had a lot of joy doing that. Wow. I'm going to tell you, man, when you just obey God and do and serve. And so my brother was four years younger than me, and he was the pastor, but I was like, the, I, I, you know, we used the word janitor back then. The Lord told me to be the janitor of the church, you know. And I, I had so much joy, and I would clean toilets and clean, and I'd sing and worship God, and sometimes I'd be the only one. A lot of this lady comes up to me and said, poor old Tony, you're sweeping, and your brother's preaching. It was a very belittling statement. Eliab, David's brother, said, who are you to come out of the wilderness with those few sheep? Well, I'll tell you something. No matter what you're doing, if you, if you make the most of it, David took care of a few sheep, but he made the most of it. You see what I'm saying there? Don't get offended. Humble yourself. And it pays great dividends, okay? Here's another one. A difficult situation manifested with ministry so not in this country but in another country that we lived in uh, there were some people that were causing damage to the work we were doing and i had to choose to forgive and walk in love and uh you know and i struggle with it you know and, and because i struggle with it patsy you know she was waiting for me to actually forgive and let go and it took me a couple weeks like maybe longer but i'm just saying you know i'm i'm a, I'm a human being and i had to get my flesh under I had to forgive, and I, and, but it was a training ground. You can view these things in a lot of different ways, but it paid great dividends because I finally forgave. 
I let go and I walked in love, it paid great dividends. Okay? Here, here's another one. Uh, the virus, let's get up to date here. This virus showed up here. So this virus that came, and, and we were living in Singapore when uh, the SARS came and then the bird flu, so this isn't our first virus. <laughs> you know, there's that song, an old song that uh, this is not my first dance. This is not our first virus, you know. Anyway, so I don't know if that was funny, but I tried. Patsy tells me I'm only funny when it's accidental. I'm accidentally funny. But so this virus shows up, and so there was a great opportunity for fear. But, you know, you can say, you know, there's two things you can do. You know, it's a training ground to stay out of fear. And so it really depends how we face all of these different things that show up. It's up to us. We can see them as training grounds that benefit us greatly for the next day that we live, okay? Then there's, uh, like, relationship challenges. There's just the devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, you know, and uh, with sickness and various things, and just life opportunities. So that's just how these things can manifest. So we can say training grounds can be unexpected, they can be God-ordained, they can be everyday life challenges or problems, and they can be out of necessity. And with that out of necessity, I just want to go back to Liliana and just say a little bit about that. But so we're living in Sicily, as I said, we didn't know how to speak the language, we weren't even familiar with the medical, anything, the medical system or anything like that there. So we're living in a, a, like a townhouse that was a, a gated community. No one else was there because it was winter time and they were summer vacation homes. Uh, so we're there and uh, Lily gets this fever and we're, you know, we thought it was maybe like her teeth coming out, but after three days of it, it's really bad. So here's three things that made a difference for me on helping her. Number one, it was my love for her. And so every one of you that our parents know the love that you have for children, that you are ready and willing to die for your child. And, um, and I remember we were talking to George and Janine uh, not too long ago, and he just talked about when he thinks about his daughter, he can just start shaking and crying, you know, as uh, Faith is sitting, you know, that's the, the love we have for our children, you know, like, it can make guys quiver and shake when we think about how much we love our kids and our, and our daughters, you know. So my love for Lily made a big difference. And then also, you know, what made the big difference is that what God said, because we, we were all alone and we could not do anything. It was us and God and our child. So what God said in his word about healing, divine healing, made such a big difference. And then also uh, what really made a difference for me was we had nowhere else to go so it, it was like out of necessity so my love what god said for healing and the necessity i had to go to god so here's what i did lily had this fever and patsy had some medical training and and so you know Li lily's head you know when she, you picked her up patsy said that's not a good sign when a baby said they can't hold their head up because she could hold it up she was at least old enough old enough to hold her head like i know a newborn baby can't but she was old enough, and her head started to, uh, okay, thank you. Her head started to um, bobble like that. And then also the high fever, Patsy knew from her medical training that it could also hurt your ears. 
for, and it messes with you for life. So that, that was uh, serious. But what I did is I took Lily and I told Patsy, uh, I got out of bed because we were looking forward to a night of sleep, but she wasn't going to let us sleep. So I told Patsy, I will not be back to bed until she's healed. I don't care if I have to stay up all night. See, that's what love and commitment does. But, you know, do we have that in all areas? But that was my daughter. I say, so I will not be back to bed. I don't care if I have to stay up all night. So I took her, and I, and I couldn't read the Bible because I was walking around holding her to try to help her not cry because I wanted Patsy to get some sleep. So I just went with two scriptures that are in my heart. 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you're healed. And Mark 11.23, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says will come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. And so those scriptures are in me. They're some of my favorite scriptures along the line of healing. So I just walked around. But then what I did with those scriptures is I began to milk them. You know, like when you milk a cow or you could say like when you squeeze the juice out of a lemon. I began to do that. And how do you do that with scriptures? Okay, well, I did it this way. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are. In each word, I went through stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. Past tense. By his stripes, you are healed. By his, so I did that with both. And I won't do Mark eleven twenty three because it's too long to do that and we'll be here too long. But whosoever, let's start that. Whosoever. See, Mark eleven twenty three isn't for a select group of people. Don't have to be a prophet. Don't have to be an evangelist. Don't have to be an apostle. Whosoever shall say. Okay. And so I won't go through that whole scripture, but I just fed. I did five, maybe five times through at one. I went to the other five times through, went back to the other five. And, you know, within a matter of 10 to 15 minutes, what happened is it changed me. I was different because I fed on the word. And I got to this place where I thought I have the confidence now to, to speak to that fever and command it off my daughter because previously I didn't. I wasn't prepared, but I had to prepare myself. So I got to that place where I had confidence, so I spoke to the fever. I cursed it. I commanded it off our daughter, and I thanked him. I, it says, believe whatever things you say, believe that you receive, and you shall have. I believed I received that. So then after that, I just went into thanksgiving and praise, and I thanked him that it was mine. Long story short, this all took anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. She, the fever was completely gone. I, you know, you touch, she was, she fell asleep in my arms. I put her in bed and we woke up the next morning. Now I do want to say this cause I don't want to mislead anybody. That was a long time ago. There's other battles that I fought that took days and weeks and hours, days and weeks. So I don't want to mislead anyone. That particular one, it really happened quick. Thank God. But see, we have to be willing to fight however long we have to fight. So I don't want to mislead anyone there cause I fought other battles that took longer. Okay, so that said, look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and, and it says, uh, just disappeared, oh, there it is, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so I like this, so that we may be able to comfort those 
through our infliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. And so I know that's one thing, but I like to say it this way. If we face any giants in our training ground or place, if we face those and we apply God's word and we have a victory, what that does is we make it possible then for us to help other people in the same way. And see, that, that's what I see there. So here's like just four things that I want to share with you uh, to help all of us face the giants that would come into our lives. Challenges, giants, whatever they would be. Here's the first one, and here's the question. It's like a question. What's most important to you? And I say that because we're down in Sicily, and we're learning a new country, okay? And learning this new country means that we... I, and not only were we learning a new country, I was for the first time ever going to be a Bible school teacher because up until that time, I was a traveling minister. And, I, and, you know, traveling ministers usually do a few topics, so I did faith and healing, you know, mainly as a traveling minister. So I was good on those topics, but now I had to prepare teachings. And when you do like 15 hours of teaching in a Bible school, you have to build it like on you start with a foundation and you build brick by brick. It, it's a lot of work to build Bible school teachings. Anyone here that knows that have, has done it. So I'm putting all my effort into that, serving God, and it seems like a great thing. I'm serving God, and I'm doing that. But see, what's the most important thing to you? So that was the most important thing to me, and not my daughter being healed. I had to put that. We didn't leave Sicily. We didn't stop doing a Bible school. But at least I started that night, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up all night. I don't care how I teach in the Bible school tomorrow, but right now my daughter is my priority. She needs to be healed. So what's the most important thing to you? We all have to answer that question. So if you're facing anything, what's the most important thing to you? You know, because we, we it's like I could tell you this. If I would have just did a little bit here and then did some of this and then did some of this and then threw in our daughter, it would I don't think it would have happened. I decided that night to give all of myself to it. There's just times in our life that we need to give all of ourselves to the thing. Okay? So um, this came to me that, um, you know, I'm doing all this studying and everything, but this phrase came to me. We can read, because I was reading, but it doesn't mean I was feeding. We can read, but it doesn't mean we feed. So, you know, make sure you feed and not just read. Because I was reading and doing all this stuff to prepare Bible teachings, but I w really wasn't feeding. Okay? So, that's the first thing. No secondly, uh, give attention to what's important. So, once you decide what's the most important thing, you want to give attention to it. Like uh, in Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So God is a God of faith, and he said, you know, hey, seek me. Give, give yourself to me. In other words, when you decide what's the most important thing, give yourself to it. Draw near to God. Decide to give everything to it, okay? And that's what I did when, for our daughter. She needed me. She needed healing, and I gave myself to it. And then the third thing is uh, when you do that, attention leads to burning. And look at this scripture, Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
when we spend time with him and, and in his word, it can light us on fire. Their heart burnt because they were at his talking to him. See, and then see, when, when that happens, attention, giving him and his word attention, the burning starts on the inside. You know, because I was pretty helpless without God. I didn't have any special healing power. There's any, nothing I could have done to help our daughter. But when I went to his word and started to feed, not just read, and it got started to get on fire, I got to this place where it changed me, and I thought, I can speak to that fever. I can do that. And when I speak, I can believe what I say will come to pass. That's, we want to get to that place, okay? So uh, it's just like Mary decided to sit at Jesus' feet, you know, the Martha and Mary star story. And uh, was it Martha or Mary? Now I got, I, I realized I didn't really check this. Sometimes I get Martha and Mary mixed up. They both start with an M. They're like M&Ms. Okay. But anyway, but Jesus, <laughs> Jesus complimented them and said, he said, you chose the better part. Sitting at my feet is the better part. Hallelujah. So when the burning starts, then here's the fourth thing. Burning empowers doing. So, you know, you can copy somebody and be a parrot like David did it in the wilderness. And Paul said, here's my sword and army. And David said, I haven't tested that because David burned in the wilderness and he applied it in the wilderness. Glory to God. And he so when you know, when the burning starts, it's easy to do the doing. But if we just copy people and like we're parrots, uh, you, can, you can do that, but it's a whole different thing, okay? So putting God's word first place and feeding on God's word, it brings supernatural assistance to the application of God's word. And I didn't read that quote up there, but uh, this is what Skip Isaac said. He said, applying God's word is the step that takes you from the student to the surgeon. Instead of being a hearer of the word, we're doers of the word. Praise God. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up back up here. And uh, as they're doing that, I just want to encourage you guys. Um, in everyday life, view the problems, the challenges, confrontations, and battles. View every one of those things in your day as training opportunities. Okay? Because it's a choice. Whatever, when you wake up tomorrow, when you leave here today, you could go to a restaurant, and there could be, like, somebody waiting on you at the table that's a terrible waiter. Training opportunity. You know, instead of getting on the waiter, walk in love. Think, hey, maybe this waiter doesn't know Jesus is Lord. Now, I could, like, yell at her or him and, and then ruin my opportunity to share Jesus, or I could be patient and walk in love and see if the door opens or lead him to the Lord. I mean, every, every single, look at every single thing is a training opportunity. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I just pray uh, for everyone here today, Lord, that these words would just be burnt into everyone's heart, Father, and that uh, it would leave an indelible mark in the hearts, the spirits of people, and that uh, right at the right time, you would bring things back to their remembrance and that they would be able to do exactly what they need to do in the situation that they find themselves in. Jesus' name, amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.